0: This is a BMO Smarter Investing Special Edition. On today's episode, Aaron Allen, VP of ETF Online Distribution for BMO ETFs, speaks with Kathy Wood, founder, CEO, and CIO of ARK
1: Invest. They will talk about disruptive innovation and how it could fit in a diversified investor's portfolio. Welcome to the BMO Smarter Investing Podcast. I'm Aaron Allen, VP of Online Distribution with BMO ETFs. Today, the global economy is undergoing a technological transformation that will shape our future. Innovations in areas like artificial intelligence, robotics, DNA sequencing, energy storage, and blockchain technologies are evolving at a rapid rate. And we're also seeing cost declines that are expected to really further accelerate this growth. Now, we've definitely had our fair share of problems in the world today, whether it be food shortages, climate change, pandemics, data security. I could go on, but really innovation is here to solve these problems and is critical to the long-term growth of our economy. Disruptive innovation investing not only provides access to potential exponential growth opportunities that are generally absent from broad-based indices, But it also offers an opportunity to really hedge against that increasing risk that incumbents may be disrupted. And it adds diversification to investment portfolios. Now, 2022 was a difficult year for equities, in particular growth stocks, because they're more reliant on future cash flows that are now, of course, being discounted at higher interest rates. But should we continue to see inflation slow, investors may see now as a good opportunity or an attractive entry point to some of these more growth oriented exposures like innovation. To talk more with us about innovation investing, I'm joined by Kathy Wood herself from ARC Invest. With over 40 years of experience identifying and investing in innovation, Kathy founded ARC to focus solely on disruptive innovation through an open approach that really cuts across all sectors, market caps, and geographies, truly unconstrained. And Kathy believes that ARC can identify large-scale investment opportunities resulting from technological innovations centered around those five major themes that I mentioned, DNA sequencing, robotics, AI, energy storage, and blockchain. So Kathy, I want to give you a very warm welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Aaron. I'm so happy to be with you. Great. Well, let's get right to it. And I thought we could kick things off by having you tell us a bit about how you became passionate about disruptive innovation and why you think innovation should be a part of an investor's portfolio, if you would.
0: Yes, how I became passionate about it. Well, early in my career, I was given the opportunity to move into equity research if I could find my own universe. I was at a firm, Jenison Associates. Where the analysts were lifers. And so I had to find my own stocks. And I learned very quickly that I needed to look for stocks that nobody wanted. And they tended to be what we now call convergence stocks. But at the time I called fall through the crack stocks. So just to give you a sense of that, nobody wanted database publishing. So Reuters and Tellerate when they went public. Why? Because it was database publishing. The tech analysts didn't want it because of publishing. The publishing analysts didn't want it because of technology. And I said, I will take that. And of course, that was the precursor to the internet. So I learned very, very quickly when a lot of, particularly investors and analysts are dismissing a whole category of stocks, there's great opportunity and so that's how I made my career, certainly on the analyst side and in portfolio management. I found a lot of those stocks and they they turned out to be sleepers. And I think that's what we have now, especially because, and this is why I started Arc. you know, after the tech and telecom bust in the early 2000s, and then even more so after 08, 09, we saw this shift towards what many analysts and investors perceive as safety called benchmarks. And many investors became very benchmark sensitive. And what are benchmarks? They are populated with companies that are there, especially the ones at the top, because of past success. But if we're entering into a world of disruptive innovation, the likes of which we have never seen before, you have to go back to the early 1900s a hundred years ago to see multiple innovation platforms evolving at the same time so telephone electricity automobile back in the early 1900s transformed the world and caused all kinds of exponential growth trajectories today the five platforms that you mentioned Aaron are doing the same but there are five not 3 and they are converging thanks primarily to artificial intelligence so that we're seeing S curves feeding S curves and really explosive growth opportunities. And they're not well represented in benchmarks because they really haven't happened yet. We're moving into them now. And just one last thing I'll say is, you know, a lot of people and advisors, analysts, investors have muscle memory associated with the tech and telecom bust. And they, they're they afraid of innovation for that reason. And I think what happened back then was too much capital, too soon, too few opportunities. The costs were too high. The technologies weren't ready. We didn't get really the big breakthrough in artificial intelligence until 2012. Now we're ready for prime time. And yet they're running away. They ran into these themes you know, 25 years too early. Now they're happening and they're running away. And I think it'll be really interesting study of investor psychology when the history books are written about this period.
1: Great. And I know at ARC, you guys, your approach and your research approach is quite unique in the marketplace. So I wanted to give you a chance to talk a bit about that and what sets you apart from everybody else in terms of your research and your approach. Sure. Our starting point
0: is from the top down, we do not use any benchmark as a guide for reasons I've just discussed. And what we're doing is, for example, in our early days, 2014, what is an autonomous vehicle? What goes into an autonomous vehicle? We don't have any preconceived notions about the companies involved in autonomous vehicles. And so we go out into the world and find those companies working on autonomous vehicles. And we learn, we learned in 2014, for example, when investors were treating NVIDIA as nothing but a PC gaming chip company, because that's all it was at the time. We were learning that GPUs were going to be the brains or the central nervous systems of autonomous vehicles. It was like, wow, that was a big aha moment. And so we were onto NVIDIA as an AI stock well before the market because of the way we do our research. The other thing that we do is we center our research around something called Wright's Law. Wright's Law says for every cumulative doubling in the number of units produced associated with a given technology, costs decline at a consistent percentage rate. So we are able to analyze how quickly costs are going to fall. And we're also able to monitor price elasticity of demand. Okay, the price has gotten to this low a point that this new set of customers, this new sector is interested in exploiting this opportunity. So with lower costs come lower prices, come increased access to new technology. So reaching mass markets ultimately. Now that's the top-down part of our process. We're as bottom-up stock research driven as any other team you'll find out there. That's my heritage. I came from bottom-up stock picking organizations. And then we have over the top of the top-down and bottom-up, we have an overlay. It's a six-metric scoring system associated with innovation. Key, and I'll just give you a couple of them, key is management. The people and the culture, critical. Another one is barriers to entry. So we have a scoring system that overlays the top-down and bottom-up models.
1: So it's very comprehensive process. Perfect. And then talk to us a bit about why now is such an important time in the innovation space. And you talked a bit about the convergence of the different technologies, but what else is going on that's really making this an attractive area? Yes, I think it's timing. It
0: has taken 25 to 30 years for the seeds that were planted in the really the period from 1980 through the tech and telecom bubble. The seeds were all planted there, but the technologies were not ready. We didn't get cloud until 2006. We didn't get the big breakthrough deep learning in AI until 2012. We didn't get the rapid cost declines to levels that make sense now for DNA sequencing until the last few years. So just to give you a sense of that, to sequence the first whole human genome, which wasn't completed, at least in its earliest form, until 2003, it cost $2.7 billion for one person's genome. That was 2003. 20 years later, we're at $200. Think about that. And so now we're seeing an explosion in the number, not only of whole human genome sequence, but plants, animals viruses bacteria cancer tumors so we're seeing an explosion that couldn't have taken place 20 years ago because the technology wasn't ready and that technology importantly is long read dna sequencing technology and the costs were way too high now both are ready so we're ready for prime time
1: now arc just released their big ideas report that you can find on your website that goes into those five themes in a bit more detail. But can you walk us through some of the more exciting things that you're seeing within those five themes of technological change? Sure,
0: sure. So let's start with what we used to call DNA sequencing, but we now call multi-omic sequencing, because it's not just about DNA, it's about RNA, proteins, methylation. It's complicated, and we have three full-time analyst focused on life sciences. And I think what we're beginning to see is the tests, especially when it comes to cancer, the molecular diagnostic tests are becoming, thanks to artificial intelligence, again, this convergence, and multiomic sequencing, the tests are becoming so good that they're able to identify more and more cancers in stage one. Some private companies, one of which is in our crossover fund, some private companies are discovering cancer, pancreatic cancer in stage one. And we think that's going to broaden out. And we also think, as we talk to that private company and others, exact sciences in the portfolio, we are beginning to believe that this convergence between multiomic sequencing and artificial intelligence is going to help us understand when the body is setting up for cancer. So even before we get that first uncontrollable replication of cells, just the setup. So we think that cancer is going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of the multi-omics revolution and that we're going to start curing cancer. In fact, there's a, a little girl named Alyssa. She was 11 years old when they discovered her leukemia in the UK. She was on her deathbed at the age of 12 in May of last year with leukemia. They had tried dozens of therapies. They had all failed. And Hail Mary pass, base editing. They base edited her cells and she's cancer free now. You know, these miracles are already happening.
1: That's incredible. That is truly incredible. And then, of course, it depends on an individual's circumstances. like their time horizon or their ability to deal with volatility in their portfolio. But how do you see these ETFs and your strategies fitting within an investor's portfolio?
0: Well, we see investors using them in any of a number of ways. Some basically take a slice out of their growth portfolio, so their growth equity exposures, and slot in our strategy because they see that most of our stocks are not in traditional benchmarks. They're not in the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or the MSCI world. Very little overlap, very high active. So what this is doing is giving them a hedge against this high probability from our point of view that the traditional world order represented by those benchmarks is going to be disrupted. And so if we are right, and some of the lab testing companies out there are going to be displaced, but they are in traditional benchmarks, the auto companies are going to be displaced, or even the fangs, we don't own the fangs in our flagship strategy. Because we think they're going to be disrupted. We don't own Amazon. We own your beloved Shopify because Shopify is enabling social commerce. Amazon is not a social network. We have Instagram and TikTok as social networks and Pinterest as well. All of those networks are being enabled by Shopify to sell goods in app. So, We want to be with the disruptors, not the disrupted. And it is ironic that I'm telling you the FANGs are going to be the disrupted because they were the disruptors so recently. But we do think many of them are being disrupted. And I think their fundamental reports, their earnings are suggesting or corroborating that.
1: All right. So these have a place in in a lot of portfolios as a differentiator, right? And as a within that growth sleeve as a lot of these, a lot of the themes are are longer term to play out. So definitely want to make sure you're considering the time horizon there as well. Yes.
0: And just to finish up on that answer, Erin, if you do give us a five year investment time horizon, which is our time horizon, we have a study on our site. We're updating it now, but it will show you that if you include our strategy with some of these other more traditional strategies over a five-year investment time horizon, assuming you rebalance over time, then our strategy will increase your return per unit of risk quite significantly. Okay.
1: Okay. And uh, BMO recently partnered with ARK to bring three of your flagship ETFs here to Canada. So ARKK, ARKG, and ARKW. Curious as to what factors led you to select BMO as a partner on these new products, and why why do you think Canada is such an important market for you?
0: Yes, well, our chief strategy officer from MSCI, she came to us from MSCI, she had developed MSCI's innovation indices. And when she came over, she had been speaking to BMO and describing okay, well, the MSCI innovation indices are very diversified, 500 stocks plus, whereas ours are more concentrated and much more focused on ARC's research, which is, as I described, centered around rights law. And so it was hurling to BMO that started the conversation. And we were just thrilled because we know that BMO is one of the marquee firms in Canada, one of the three or four marquee firms and has one of the best selections of ETFs and has done incredibly well on ETFs, I think might have done better than anybody else. And we thought, wow, what an opportunity for ARK to partner. So that's how it's all started. And, you know, Canada is important to us and has always been important in my career because I've seen sort of the pioneering spirit in Canada. So I think from a DNA point of view, investors in canada have an appetite for innovation and these new frontiers so that's one reason and the other reason is we are neighbors and i think the cross fertilization i mean we would love to help canadian investors barbell you know we know that canada is very resource and financial services focused in terms of the markets exposure And our focus is completely different. It's a great barbell strategy. So we think it's a win-win.
1: Great. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I learned a lot, and hopefully our listeners found this valuable as well. BMO's suite of ARK ETFs, the BMO ARK Innovation Fund, ARKK, BMO ARK Genomic Revolution Fund, ARKG, And BMO ARK Next Generation Internet Fund, ARKW, are now available in Canada. They're trading in Canadian dollars. And they're also included as part of BMO Investor Line's commission-free ETF list, which currently includes over 80 ETFs. So thanks again for joining us, Kathy. Thanks to our listeners. We will see you next time on the BMO Smarter Investing podcast. Thanks for listening to BMO Smarter Investing, a podcast brought to you by BMO Investor Line. We are here to empower Canadians to invest smarter. For more information on how you can start investing today, visit bemocom slash online investing. And be sure to subscribe to this show to get the latest episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.